is Borderscapes, a podcast without boundaries. I'm Maritza Masiello, and on this episode of Borderscapes, The Different Ways We Learn, we explore the reasons why some students don't like school and how the curriculum could be the reason. Um, when I'm sitting in the classroom, it's just personally, I just don't want to be there. I just feel lazy. I'm watching the teacher thinking, oh, I could be doing so many other things rather than this. Um, yeah, I just don't. Most of the time, I just don't want to be there. And and why do you think that is? Do you think the subjects just don't connect with you? Yeah, I think subjects for me, they don't. Yeah, I haven't clicked with any subjects in school before, apart from, I would say, photography, which I'm doing at A-level right now, which I'm about to finish. So, yeah, apart from photography, I haven't clicked with any of the subjects, which is probably the reason I'm finding everything so boring in school. This is Carlo. He's 18 years old, lives in London with his family. He loves spending time with his friends and girlfriend, skateboarding and listening to music. He's kind, generous, would do anything for anyone. He can be stubborn, but generally he's a great kid. The main challenges throughout Carlo's life has been his dislike for school. As he's about to finish his A-levels, we reflect on his educational experience. Full disclosure, he's my son. From a very young age, he's always hated school, like from reception. He's loved, he's been, he's very popular. He loves socialising, loves playing, loves sports, loves all the fun bits to it. But once you sit him down in the, in the classroom, he, he just loses focus, looks out of the window, can't stop fidgeting. And um, it wasn't until he reached, like year three maybe his teacher started to be a bit concerned that he wasn't progressing the way he sh- they thought he should be he did get um a diagnosis of very borderline dyslexia but not to the point where it, it would have affected him a great deal academically he he didn't even want to do a levels to be quite honest and he did it more to please us really, because I was scared of him leaving at 16, thinking, you know, what are you going to do? At least get this. Well, I guess one thing that I picked out of your son's story is he did like the socialising. He did like those parts. So I guess the thing is then, he didn't not like all of school, but he didn't like maybe the academic side. That was a conversation I had with Dr Poppy Gibson, a senior university lecturer of education who has carried out considerable research on how the curriculum affects children and how teachers can inspire learners. What do you think could have been happening? What What's your thoughts on, on, on children who really just don't like school or like the curriculum, like the way they're being taught? I suppose there are so many factors at play, but the one thing that I think a lot of children find it hardest to engage with is maybe the actual curriculum itself. I don't know if you want me to talk more on that point. I wanted to hear more. I had often wondered if Carlo's disengagement from classroom learning had started at primary school and that feeling he got, whatever it was, had stayed with him as he grew older. I do feel like maybe I should sit on the fence more as an educator. But it's really interesting when we look back at our very first national curriculum, which came out 1988, 
a result of the Education Reform Act. We had our first curriculum equally, then we question, you know, how were so many people schooled without a curriculum? I mean, it obviously happened. We have people that are working in jobs, excellent jobs, very high-powered jobs now that obviously were pre-1988 primary school. But what I think perhaps one of the biggest issues is, in my opinion, is this curriculum that came out in 1988 in England with this focus on the core subjects of maths and English. I mean, the question is, has that really changed nearly 40 years later? Because I think we're still very much caught up in this drive. And it's actually quite sad. I think England is a very special and amazing place to live. But it almost feels like we're too worried about the bigger global picture of education. And when we look at the PISA League tables, we can see that England, you know, the United Kingdom are not near the top. The PISA League table is an international evaluation of educational systems. It measures 15-year-olds' performance in math, science and reading and takes place every three years. It's basically a worldwide competition for the best education system. However, the outcome of the results can influence government policy, which has implications for how children are taught in schools. Surprisingly, we would think that we're a very developed country. We have excellent technology and resources, um, a strong government. But we would question that, you know, are we too worried with trying to compete with these much larger countries? Should we not focus on what we can offer. And I think we've almost got, in my opinion, quite an outdated curriculum. We were about to hear how it could have been so different. There was a pivotal time around 20 years ago when a new kind of curriculum was on the horizon. And, you know, the one thing, and I know I shouldn't look back with this kind of romantic view of education, but back in, um, so it must be now, 20 years ago, not far off, we had this real interest in what was happening in schools. And we had the Rose Review that was led by Sir Jim Rose, previous Ofsted um, lead. And he and head teachers looked at what was happening in English primary schools and they wanted a curriculum reform. And around 2008, 2009, their findings found we needed a more child-led curriculum. This got me thinking about something Carlo had said about a positive experience he had had more recently. Although no longer at primary school, the principles are the same. His teacher found a way to relate the subject to him and it seemed to work. Yeah, when the teacher's speaking, I just... Unless it, unless it's like an interesting conversation they're having, I just don't really take any notice of it or pay attention too much. Okay, so... Can you think of a teacher that did make a difference? Cast your mind back to your primary school, your secondary school. Did they approach lessons in a different way that got you interested? I would say my photography teacher at the moment, Mr. Matthews, is probably the most, the best teacher I've had in terms of trying to really understand, uh, trying to understand the person I really am and, figuring out the way I actually learn. Like he's very interested in things I do and he makes it very personal and, it help, and he helps you learn in the way that suits you. So, yeah. Back to the Rose curriculum, 
which was due to be released around 2008. If you're familiar with the RISE curriculum, you'll know it has got six learning areas. So instead of having the core subjects of English, maths and science, um, it had these six learning areas. And the one that really fascinates me is the one that would have been about understanding physical and mental health. And I'm sure you can agree, particularly as we're coming through the pandemic, that having a focus on mental health should be one of our top priorities in school. And clearly the social side, as you're saying with your son's story, the social side is a big element. And that is something that was lost in the pandemic was this chance to, for our children in our schools to socialize and have friendships and interactions with their peers. So something around mental health would have been an amazing key area for us to focus on. But unfortunately, as we know in education, political power is a big driver. And due to the coalition in 2010, we ended up seeing the Rose Review being scrapped. And as a result, it didn't come into our schools. So we were on the cusp of changing the way we had always taught children in schools. And at the last minute, because of a change in government, all the hard work that had gone into this potential new curriculum was for nothing. Instead, we had more standardised, rigorous updates that ignored the need for children to learn in a much more rounded way. What we actually got was another version of the same curriculum in 2014, but with much higher demands on children. We're using this curriculum from 2014 that I do not think reflects the skills and attributes and knowledge that our pupils need to be confident citizens in modern Britain. And although your son obviously has gone through school a long time before this, having this highly academic curriculum does not suit all children. And clearly your son, you know, it's not that it was the academic side that was wrong because he's been offered university places, he's done really well. But is it the approach, is it the, the pedagogical design of such a rigorous timetable? So there are many things that I think may have affected your son's <laughs> school experience. But I think the sad thing is, as we've come through the pandemic, and I was hoping maybe for an educational reform, I can't see that coming up on the agenda anytime soon. In my quest to better understand my son and his feelings towards school, the pressures teachers are under is not lost on me. Poppy explains how challenging it can be for teachers even before lessons have started. So can I cast your mind back to when you were a primary school teacher yourself? Um, there's clearly lots of children who do thrive in, in the school environment and they love it. Um, did you ever come across children who just were not interested? And, and so how, how did you balance that? That's a really good question. I mean, we have to celebrate diversity, don't we? And celebrate that we've got children coming from all different backgrounds. But with that, you've got children that before they even step through your door have got, you know, some children where English isn't their first language, children with very different um, family situations and experience some with parents and carers who are very education focused, some who aren't. Um, so you've kind of got your work cut out before they even step through the door. 
let alone once they're in your classroom. And I think, I mean, one of my worst words, I was actually talking about this on Twitter recently. One of my worst words, and I'm sure you'll agree, is when we hear someone say that a child is naughty. Because I've heard that in school, teachers saying, you know, so-and-so is naughty. And I just don't think that is a thing. I don't think children being naughty is a thing. So when we see children not accessing our, our teaching and children that aren't engaging, we need to re-question, actually, what is it that we're doing? Or what is the need behind that behaviour? And I think one of the things that, that I'm seeing done well is schools that are also appreciating that some of these children that aren't engaging, it's not just due to learning needs, but it can be due to previous trauma as well. And I've seen some really good schools recently that are becoming trauma-informed and teachers are becoming um, skilled in how to support children who have experienced trauma. I think sometimes we think it's just about differentiating, you know, finding a different level worksheet, having an easier one, a medium one and a harder one, but it's so much more complex than that. It's not just thinking that it's about their learning level. It can be something so much deeper, like if they've even eaten that morning or something that's happened at home that they've witnessed that is upsetting and on their mind. Because if you imagine a child sat in a classroom being asked to do a maths test, but they're afraid who's going to walk through the door at any moment, how could they possibly focus on those questions in front of them? Clearly, there are so many complex factors that need to be taken into consideration regarding how children engage with school life. So I wanted to know what the next generation of teachers were being taught. I wanted to loop back to what you were saying earlier about um, the pressures that teachers have. So now that you're a university lecturer and you're, you're teaching the next generation of teachers, how do you try to equip those trainees um, with the tools to balance the need for children to have a more rounded educational experience while still tackling this prescriptive curriculum? You know, how, how, how do you approach that with them? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. And I think, I think there are two things that I hope I instill in my students. And the two messages that I would try and give out are firstly, although we have got a prescribed curriculum, so if you're working in mainstream school, you do have to follow that curriculum. But my main message there is don't feel that means you can't be creative. And there is still a need for teachers to have confidence in themselves because you, once you qualify as a teacher, you do need to have belief in who you are and the confidence to be creative with what we're given. So yes, you're given a framework, but the way you actually deliver that is up to you to some extent. Before we come on to Poppy's second point, I wanted to ask Carlo how he felt now he was almost saying goodbye to his school days. So now that you are at the end of this chapter in your life and you will finally leave school behind you, um, how does that make you feel? I feel that I feel very happy that I'm leaving school at the moment. But um, I know in a couple of years... Carly proceeds to tell me that even though he's happy to leave school, he knows he will look back and wish he had done better. But at the same time, thinks if he could have his time again, he would feel exactly the same. Trapped, 
and not being life, able I to focus. That, that still would be the exact same. I wouldn't change unless something else changed within the school or teachers changed or, yeah, I just feel like I would be the exact same. I also wanted to know what his plans for the future were. I wanted to travel some parts of the world and see other cultures and see how other people are learning and living. And I would also definitely at some point want to own my own business that I want to start and something that I am very interested in. So I'm very passionate about what I do. So my, my first main message is be creative. And then I think your joy in teaching will come from that. And then the second thing I think is just look outside of the scores and look outside of the assessments because one great theory that I know you're familiar with is that of Howard Gardner. So the multiple intelligences theory. And again, as with any educational theory, some people will love the theory, some aren't so sure, but I think it's quite a good one just to have in our minds when we're educators. And Howard Gardner's multiple intelligences theory. And I wonder whether I can see a link to your son who isn't sure if he wants to go to uni, but was saying he wanted to travel the world. Actually, this could maybe link to that spatial or naturalistic intelligence, this bigger love for what is out there and the outdoors and culture and the sciences. So if you have a look at Howard Gardner's model, it's the idea that we can be intelligent in more than one way. I guess I'll never get to the bottom of why Carlo dislikes school so much. Maybe I can see some similarities in Howard Gardner's model. As we just heard, Carlo has aspirations to travel the world and see where life takes him, and who can blame him. I'm just happy he can now go on to do what he feels is right for him. I'm Maritza Massiello, and you've been listening to The Different Ways We Learn, a part of the podcast Waterscapes, produced with the support of the School of Media, Arts and Humanities and the Office of Technology Enhanced Learning at the University of Sussex. We had technical help from Matthew Taylor. Our executive producers were Lee Goodin and Martin Spinelli. Our theme music was composed by Helena McCormack and our graphic design was by Thomas O'Dwyer. Additional episode music credits and info are available at borderscapes.org and for socials, we are at Borderscapes Pod. Thanks for listening.